0: Hi, this is Gary Washburn, pastor of Grace Tabernacle. Thank you for tuning to our podcast today. Our hope is that this message inspires you and builds your faith. For more information about Grace Tabernacle and our ministries, please go to gracetab.org and like us on Facebook. Now, may the message feed your soul.
1: Hallelujah, hallelujah, praise God. Well now we'd like to welcome Gary Winters, hallelujah, praise God. Thanks for joining us tonight and sharing, praise God. Thank you Andrew,
0: you took us right into the presence, just like you always do. Uh, Barbara's asking me uh, how how she wanted to introduce me, are you a pastor, and I said no, but I do have some credentials. Uh, I did study at Oxford for five years, and I'm a Rhodes Scholar. my wife's rolling her eyes, uh, I don't want to tell anybody that Oxford school that I studied at was a little three-room school in the hills of southeastern Ohio and <laughs> Rhodes, uh, I spelt a little different R-O-A-D-S scholar, that's, that's the good education, anyway, uh, what I want to talk on tonight is healing healing the sick, uh, why, why do we heal the sick, What what sickness is, and how do we do it First thing we want to do, we need to take a look at the Great Commission. What did Jesus say? You, you know, we all look at the Great Commission, which is, you know, go preach the gospel. Um, actually, it's right up there. Well, it's on the one that I see. <laughs> Can you get me Matthew 28? Up there, uh, the first scripture I want to look at, which is the Great Commission. Everybody knows, probably every denomination that's out there talks about the Great Commission a- and subscribes to it. They go out and preach the gospel to all nations. But Jesus didn't stop there. He said something else on the next line. He said, go ye therefore and teach all nations, nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Ghost. You have the next one right there. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. That's what I want to deal on. So we go and teach all, na- teach all nations. What are we teaching them? We're teaching them everything they told the disciples to do. Now, to put that in common English, just everything I told you to do, you go do that. Not only do you do it, but you teach people how to do it. Okay, we have to go back and look what he what did he tell his disciples to do? Matthew chapter 10 he told them, as you go, preach saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand, which that's what every missionary does. The kingdom of of heaven is at hand, but then on the next thing he tells him to heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Now, how many of you have ever been in a church where the pastor comes out and he says, "Okay, today we're going to learn how to cast out devils. We're going to learn how to heal the sick. We're going to learn how to raise the dead, and s- to have some hands-on experience." I stopped at the funeral home up there, and I brought in <laughs> ten dead bodies here. We're going to learn how. to. <laughs> Just kind of doesn't happen that way. But there's, it's really quite simple. Amen. But most people want to do what they, they want to. I want to pray for the sick, but you just don't know how. Uh, okay, there's the why. We'll get into the what Before we get into that, let's look at what sickness is. What's the Bible call sickness? You have Luke chapter 13 up there. The Bible calls it, uh, several things, we'll call it, uh, we'll just start on three things. Luke chapter 13 this is of Jesus in the temple there and when he healed the woman he was, she was bent over she couldn't even straighten up. And he said Ought not this, this is after he healed her. Ought not this woman being daughter of Abraham whom Satan hath bound lo these eighteen years be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath so there the Bible calls sickness bondage. Amen. Acts 10:38. When we look at the things that Jesus did, if you kept score, probably more than anything else, Jesus healed sick people. If he came to town, if somebody was getting healed. and said, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. So there the Bible calls sickness oppression. Now, I don't have the last one, but the last one's in the book of Job. You know, first thing, Job lost his family, lost everything he has. And then it says, Satan went forth and smoked Job with sore boils. So, took his health away. You know, I always thought, thought these boils were like little zits or something that you'd have on. But after I studied these a little more, they were big, painful things. that Infected, nasty things. So, it says, Satan went forth and smote Job with sore boils from the crown of his head to the sole of his feet. When well, now, when he was healed, it, I think it's in if you're taking notes, uh, Job chapter 42 verse 10, I believe, and it said the Lord turned the captivity of Job. So the Bible calls his sickness there captivity. So we look, the Bible calls sickness bondage. It calls it oppression, and it calls it captivity now in each one of those bondage oppression and captivity it's very clear where they came from the woman who was bound ought not this daughter of Abraham whom Satan hath bound these 18 years her bondage came from Satan Acts 10 38 Jesus went forth healing all who were oppressed of the devil and then uh, back into Job he said Satan went forth And smote Job. So we see who the author of our sickness is, it's Satan, which makes it a spiritual issue. So if it's a spiritual issue, it needs to be dealt with spiritually. A lot of people will say, well, this is God's will for me to be sick. It must be God's will. We have a ministry to the Amish up in Ohio, and Amish believe that whatever happens to you, that's God's will. You yeah, we ministered to a little girl who was seven or eight years, just 19-year-old, just a beautiful little girl. But when I went over, she just lay in there, death-written all over her face. The last place she had been to was the Cleveland Clinic, which is one of the leading medical uh, facilities in the world. And they told him, there's nothing we can do for you. But as I ministered to her, I told tell, tell her about Marie. Well, you don't know our story, but Marie was on total disability. Marie's my wife for several years. But when God healed her, we got to tell some people this stuff. You don't have to be sick. (laughs) We're pretty excited. But I'll get into that later at another time. But when I I'm going there, I'm looking at the little girl and I told her Marie's story and God said, tell her that I love her. I said, God loves you. He said, tell her again. I said, God loves you. He said, tell her again. Now I'm starting to have a little debate with God up there. Lord, everybody knows you love her. No, tell her again. Her name was Eva. I said, Eva, God really loves you. He said, tell her again. (laughs) Okay, uh, Eva, God really, really loves you. And I can't remember the word that he told me. He said, tell her again, but lay it on thick. I said, Eva, God loves you so much. That's just like he, he put his hands out to quiet heaven down and he points down to you and says that's my girl right there I'd love her so much and when I told her that just the tears started flowing down her eyes and I saw a white light in her eyes he said now lay your hands on her and heal her and I'd always been taught when you minister to a, a lady I used to have my wife with me I'll have her, Marie lay her hand wherever and I put my hand on, on top of that he said no it's okay just lay your hand on her and heal her so I just said in the name of Jesus be healed. And I never really understood why I had to tell her that he loved her so much until I heard her testimony. A couple, of, Oh, anyway, that was on a Tuesday night. Saturday she went deer hunting with her boyfriend. <laughs> Sunday she was back in church playing with the little kids and people were saying, is that Eva? Because the Amish community everybody knew her. They don't have health insurance. Whenever they have uh, an issue, the community will have fundraisers to pay for their medical expenses and she'd been all over the country they even somebody had told them that there was mold in their house that was, was what caused her sickness while she was away for six weeks the Amish went in, tore their house down, built them a new house so literally hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars spent on her care so everybody around knew her and knew about her but God healed her just like that for, for free but I heard her testimony a few years later about a year later and she was saying Gary started telling me that he loved me and he kept telling me that God loved me she said I had to hear that because the Amish believe that whatever happens to you is God's will so in her teenage mind she had figured out if it's his will that I suffer this much God must hate me and that's what she kept telling her God hates me that's then I knew that's why she had to know that God loves her and that's the same thing for all of us God loves us so much when we suffer he's suffering too like you remember when you've had children or grandchildren one of them would be sick you're just you're sick with them I know when Marie was was so in pain 24 hours a day it was her she had one of two choices, either be in pain and suffer or take so much medication. She just sat there and, and smiled. But I can remember her laying in the bathtub in hot water. That would be some relief, just begging out to, to God to take her, let her die. I, the Bible said the Lord will not put any more on you than you can stand. She said, Lord, I'm right at the edge right there. I don't think I can take any more. And I remember praying that Lord, take it from her and put it on me, because I figured I could take it a little better than she did. But we found out later, we didn't have to do it. Jesus already bore those. Amen. And if he bore them, we don't have to bore them, but we didn't know. Chapter, in Hosea chapter 4, verse 6, I'll throw a little wrench in you. The Bible says, my people, God says, my people are destroyed, or lack of knowledge. We just don't No, nobody ever told us. That's why when we started teaching, I I tried to get into. Well, we hear all these little cliches as a Christian. You, I can't think of any right now. Just we hear them, but they didn't mean much to me because I didn't know how. Praying in the Spirit, for example. Oh, you hear that all the time. How do you pray in the Spirit? What is praying in the Spirit? You know, for somebody who's never been taught that we don't know what it is. And, they, and like healing most people would like to, oh, I'd love to pray for you but they're thinking, well, what if nothing, nothing happens? And they're a little leery. You know, if nothing happens it's, it's not our deal. Once we do what God tells us to do the ball's in His court. There's, it's like there's three parts to healing there. We have God's part We have me as a minister, my part. And then we have the person we're ministering to, their part. If they don't get healed, there's an issue, one of those right there. So we can pretty well eliminate God. I don't think he has a problem there. So if it's me, where's my faith? How am I living? Am I, I think David says in Psalms, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. So my regarding iniquity in my heart, I, t- before we got to minister, we try to get, how do I say it, spiritual duct, yeah. We want to get on the same page that God is before we do that. Yeah, we don't have a big argument. Oh, come on, woman, let's get out of here. Let's go pray for these people. And <laughs> that really doesn't work. Well, it could, but, but it doesn't. Or the last one is the person that we're ministering to. There are a lot of things that block healing, just our experience. We've been doing this for several years. We have seen dozens and dozens of medically confirmed miracles. And usually, if if they don't get healed, there's an issue there. And we found the Holy Spirit most of the time tells us what the issue is. A lot of times, it's unforgiveness bitterness in their heart now it's my job or even a total lack of faith you when jesus went back to his hometown they said he could do no mighty work there because of their unbelief other than he healed a few sick people i've heard people say well it's just some headaches maybe but he couldn't do anything major there because of their unbelief they're thinking yeah that's jesus you know he built that little cabinet right there for me That's, that's joseph's son they just he was just another guy you trying to think where I'm gonna go. I want to go. I'm trying to, we teach healing. We have a several week course that we teach, and hopefully in July, in the, in the small groups, we may teach that. I'm trying to sum this all up in a, in a Cliff's Note version of it. Uh, where was I there? <laughs> I get four steps ahead. And I, um, well, I'll just go back to my notes there. That's, uh, like Charles Cap said, when you're in doubt, read the red and do what he said. (laughs) Um, Okay, Hosea, John, when I said uh, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge, most people when they go to heal, or if they get called, pray for me, I'm sick. I'll put you on the prayer list there at church. They just they're embarrassed. Or if I had somebody up here and uh, you hang right there, I'm going to go back here and get somebody to pray for you. I can practically guarantee you if I walk back through the crowd, everybody just decides they need to read your Bible or need to look over there saying, please don't look at me because they don't know how to do it. There's really nothing to it, but just nobody's ever told them how to do it. When we first started, I wanted to do it just like Jesus did. We call it praying for the sick okay I want to pray for the sick just like Jesus did so I went through the Bible started through the four gospels and I found out Jesus never prayed for a single person to be healed I thought well he's Jesus you know he's different I'll do it just like the apostles I'll pray for them for the sick just like the apostles do so I went through the gospels again and I found the apostles never prayed for anybody that was sick either they spoke to the problem
1: mm-hmm. yeah, That's
0: right. and that's okay if I want to do that I'd do that just like they did Matthew or yeah, Mark 11:22 22 and, or 11, 21 I think it is uh, yeah anyway it, when Jesus cursed the fig tree he said whosoever shall say to this mountain be thou removed and cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart but shall believe that those things which he saith," shall come to pass he shall have whatsoever he saith you know the mountain is symbolic of our issue well the issue since we're dealing with sickness that's our issue right there so and you'll notice in there it says say three times and believe one time so it's, it's what comes out of your mouth whenever we minister to somebody and we tell them okay, say you have a b- bad shoulder and the pain goes when we pray or speak to it what do you do the next morning? You get up and you move your shoulder. There's a little pain. What do you do? Uh, most people or a lot of people will say, oh, it didn't work. It's back. And as soon as you say that, just what you said will happen. It's back. We have learned, we tell people, no, no, it is written. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. I have had hands laid on me. I shall recover pain in the name of Jesus. speaking to your mountain leave me, leave me now Amen. Uh, we have a book uh, that was written by T.L. Osborne called Healing the Sick and there's a paragraph in there under a chapter called Emancipation Proclamation, which it's our setting free we've been set free from this world, set free from our diseases but there's a paragraph in there that I use all the time you say to your enemy this sickness you have put on me or are trying to put on me was cursed on the cross of Calvary for me, and you know that I do not have to bear it. Satan, your pains are lies, your symptoms are lies, you are the father of lies. Jesus said you are. Get out of here in the name of Jesus, get out of my body. <laughs> and we have found when we have done that, yeah. it it leaves. Usually when Marie well, she tried to get attacked here. Well, she's been healed for pushing twenty years, give or take. In there, but she got attacked here a few, a couple months ago. The same thing was coming back on her, and it's a spiritual battle. And she went to battle with Satan. It's a wonder the police didn't come to our house because she would be walking through the house just screaming, No, I will not take this. Get out of here. Just screaming that. Oh, Satan had to be embarrassed. (laughs) Just in the name of Jesus, get out of here. and I'm thinking, oh, if the neighbors are hearing this, they're going to think I'm doing something for you. Get out of here, they're going to call the cops. <laughs> and I'm sure they're going to believe, oh, my wife is talking to the devil. Oh, you, sir, the devil, put your hands behind your back. <laughs> uh, that kind of goes, there's a little story how we found this church here that kind of goes along with this. As, as we're ministering to the Amish in sickness, we found out that there's a lot of darkness in the Amish community, that that you don't hear about, you know, rape, incest, abuse is rampant in the Amish community. And it's all kind of swept under the rugs, kept quiet, because they don't like to involve the outside people. If you have a boy that's raped two or three girls, they'll just move him to another Amish community quietly, and and he does the same thing there. But we have found that these girls are harboring a lot in there, a lot of unforgiveness. bondage or whatever just a lot of resentment trauma in their life from what they've gone through we have found that if we would deal with that deal with their bondage or whatever they're going through the trauma the, the deep things that are in down in their spirit in their body in their mind whenever they got set free from that whatever their physical issue they had left Amen. we call that deliverance yeah. so we started getting into that a little bit <laughs> We started getting attacked. I mean, Satan's just slapping us down up one side and down the other. Our property was getting attacked, our kids, our grandchildren were getting attacked. You know, Satan doesn't care if you get healed, he just didn't even want you to get set free. Amen. And Marie looked at me one night and she said, Gary, I don't know if I could do this or not. So I just didn't tell her, but I just kind of backed off of deliverance a little bit, studying it so much. It wasn't a couple weeks later, I got an email from the International Society of Deliverance Ministers. I'd heard of them, but how in the world they ever hear of me? How'd they get my email address? And they were having a deliverance conference in Wildwood, Florida at a church called Grace Tabernacle. (laughs) Okay, well, back in the, oh, from 2007 for about seven or eight years, we had a house over in Leesburg, we snowbirded. We didn't know any church down here. So we called her sister and kind of invited herself down. Could we come down for a few days to attend this seminar? So we came down, walked in the door, and the first people I saw were Anthony and Michelle Frazier, if you know them, we'd known them for years. Anyway, we attended, Bill Sedduff was the guy who put the, he was the head of the International Society of Deliverance Ministers, put on, we got more information some of his materials went back and we hit the ground or running and haven't looked back since then. And I tell people if you want to get into deliverance get your spiritual ducks in a row because like I said Satan doesn't care if you get healed. He doesn't want you to but that's okay. He doesn't want you set free. And the fact we're getting people set free from all this. That's mm, that's why he came after us. Now we've when we found out uh, uh, Topped off again what we knew about who we are, what our rights are in him. That's, you know, he didn't have anything more on us. He doesn't bother us anymore. Yeah, to get that into a little perspective, how we got this, we were ministering to a, an Amish lady who was in a wheelchair. And we just, the usual thing, we didn't do any. Oh, we had cleansed their house. I don't know if you've ever heard of cleansing house. A lot of people, there'll be a demonic presence in their house. We went into their house nothing there didn't feel anything we went and her her husband said well this is the house that we built before we built our big house we went over there did the upstairs and he said well we lived in the basement for a while so we went down the basement and we were standing down there he pointed over that's my bedroom there and I remember walking in the bedroom and the hairs on my arm just stood up the hair on the back of my neck the demonic presence was just unbelievable in there so we cast them out prayed, ministered to the woman, spoke healing to her. It didn't see any change, but the next day uh, one of her friends said Mary was her name, said she came over in a horse and buggy. Said she'd gotten up out of her wheelchair, went out, got the horse out, and her husband said, where are you going? So I'm going over and visit Henry's family there. and, And he's looking, she's not in her wheelchair anymore. So she came back, but a week later she's back in her wheelchair. And we're just quite puzzled so marie got to talking to her at at a meeting and it turns out it was the bitterness towards her husband know, in, in the amish you know the men have their job the women have their job and she couldn't do her job and he resented her for not being able to do that he used to belittle her i have to clean this house if you would get out of that chair and do your job I wouldn't have to do that and just day after day after day and it grew so that she just resented even seeing him and it was the bitterness in her heart towards that and she was never really able to forgive her she's still we haven't seen her for two or three years but as far as we know she's still there it's that bitterness in her heart that she's unable to let go of which I understand why it's there (laughs) but the unforgiveness we've ministered to several girls who were molested heavily as a child. And when you're doing this, I'll get into the how-to here in a little bit, but when you're ministering to them, listen to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will tell you exactly what to say, what they need to hear. Like the little Amish girl, tell her that I love her. And some of the things he uses, (laughs) it's almost comical when you sit back and look at it. We were ministering to this girl who, growing up, every possible abuse that's ever been done had happened to her. And she was a total mess. So as we're ministering to her, we bring out scriptures. She says, don't use that scripture on me. Every scripture we would throw out, no, you can't use it because they had been used against her by her parents, twisted. So we're at a loss how do you minister to somebody if you can't use scripture so we have friends who have a deliverance ministry about 100 miles from us so we take her down there and one of the first things they say well you have to give all that to Jesus she said no he said yes just give it to Jesus she said no I am not giving it to him well why he didn't do anything to deserve it so I'm not giving it to him but you have to give it, no, I am not giving it to Jesus because he does not deserve it, I am not giving anything to him like that and they're just lost, she happened to have a little baby with her well probably, maybe a year old she said, wait, I have to change her diaper, and she takes her diaper the Holy Spirit told me just what to to say, she took her dirty diaper off and said, give me your diaper, I'm going to take it over there and throw it away that's what Jesus says to you, give me your garbage and I'm going to take it over here and throw it away for you. Change your life. Just It's just, we listen to the Holy Spirit. Now, most of us say, well, how do I know it's the Holy Spirit speaking me? We have found out the first thought that comes in your mind, run with it. That's usually the Holy Spirit. Don't try to reason it out. Just take it and go with it. If it's wrong, he'll straighten it out later. <laughs> we were at a, a big meeting probably 40, 50 people just in a big Amish room probably two-thirds Amish and a third English about 40, 50 people around there and, and the guy overseeing the meeting said we want to pray for the sister back there her daughter is really struggling we want to she wants prayer for her and as he's saying that I look at her and the Lord says you need to go talk to her about the abuse in her house I was like, how do you do that? <laughs> he said just talk to her about it so after the meeting I walk over to her and I says, as you were standing up the Lord said we need to address the abuse that's in your house and she looked at me like what are you talking about uh oh <laughs> I said oh I'm sorry maybe it wasn't you but it was somebody over there where you're sitting the Lord said we need to address the abuse in her house so she talked a little bit and then she started to open up There was huge amounts of abuse in her house. The police were a regular, they were on a first-name basis at their house. They had been there so many times. So we tried to minister her for a while, but it turns out she was the root of most of the abuse in her house. And she would never come out. Her daughter did get away from her for a while. We ministered her daughter, but she just, what do you call it, just followed her daughter yeah, wanted to control her daughter and her daughter moved back in. It's just but the Lord was right on the abuse in her house. <laughs> I was ministering to a lady, her husband had uh had told her, you know, pray for her. we were there for her husband. She said, My wife is having a little heart issues. Would you pray for her? And I said, Sure. But, but when I went over to her, I said the first thing we need to do, we need to pray for your shoulder. And I put my hand out, she said, Wait a minute. How do you know about my shoulder? I said, well, we just talked about it there." Said, no, we didn't talk about it. How do you know about my shoulder? I said, I thought we just talked about it. No, we did not talk about it. Just like that, pointing your finger. At it. No, we do not. didn't talk about my shoulder. Nobody knows about my shoulder. My husband doesn't even know about my shoulder. I said, well, maybe God told me. Well, she, oh, she was good with that. So. <laughs> But it's just, listen to the Holy Spirit. He will tell you even how to minister to people. Uh, One more analogy, then I'll quit. (laughs) Uh, No, there'll be three or four more. But we were... (laughs) Yeah, I get pretty excited about it. It's just, it's not like I'm bragging about us. No, it's just what we've seen. What we have done, you know, Jesus said in John 14:12, the works that I do, you shall do also. That's what I tell these to encourage you. you know, if we've done it, if Jesus did it, you can do it too. But we were on a ministry team in a church, and a lady, we had pr- ministered to a man, and Marie was talking to him, and another lady came up, and all of a sudden she broke down. Her body was shaking so much, she was sobbing so loud. And uh, had a guy on each side, and I said, what's wrong with it? We have no idea so she did calm down a little bit and I said well what would you like the Lord to do for you what's the issue here and she started talking about growing up she had a sister who was real needy she said she got all my mother's attention all I wanted was just some attention from my mother but every time I got her paying attention to me my sister mom and need something and mom would have to leave and she knew that I could take care of myself and I understand my sister was needy but I just wanted some of my mom's attention. Over the years that just grew and grew in her. She grew to resent her mother and she was always gonna go tell her but her mother passed away. Had six years before that. She said, it just came to a head this morning. I've been fighting it all week. It just, I lost control this morning. She said, I don't know what to do. (laughs) The Lord told me what to tell her. I said, when you get home, get out a pen and a paper write your mother a letter and just tell her everything what you feel like tell her what she did to you but down the bo- when you get down the bottom just tell her mom I forgive you and I love you and she looked at me kind of funny said well okay <laughs> the next week I saw her at church and I said how are you doing she said awesome she said I got out the pen and the paper and I wrote down I got about two thirds of a page and I decided I'm going to the cemetery I had, her mother had been dead for six years. She said, I refused to go to the cemetery. I was the day the day they buried her, I refused to go. But I went out there, and I sat down the, on the headstone right beside her, and I told her off. Everything she did to me, everything, how that made me feel. But then I said, Mom, I love you, and I forgive you. And as soon as I said that, it just went off my back. I felt it go off. She said, I've had the best week. It that I've ever had. It's just, you know, who would ever think, write your dead mother a letter. That's just the Holy Spirit knew exactly what she needed right there. Before I get into the, the how-to, a lot of people say, I don't have the faith to heal people. Well, let me speak in tongues a little bit. Au contraire, mon frere. <laughs> I beg to differ. You do have the faith. It's like, how many when you came in here, when you sat down the chair, you you turned that chair over? Let me look at that chair. Will that chair hold me? I don't know. Or if you've ridden your golf cart across the bridge out there across 44, did you stop and go inspect the bridge? No, you just run right across you had faith in the bridge, had faith in the builders. You have faith in all kinds of stuff. You get to flip your lights with, switch, you have faith that the light's going to come on. Just haven't learned to take that faith and put it to God's word. And, and we don't think, well, what about me? You know, I, I'm not special. I haven't studied all this. It's irrelevant. We had sold a house here, oh, seven or eight years ago before we moved up in Amish country, and I, my pump wouldn't work. And You can't sell a house without your pump. I had a deep well pump, which pumped into a big cistern, and then I, it was the pump inside that I... That it wouldn't work right. Even with YouTube videos, I couldn't get that fixed Right. So I mentioned to a guy in church about this. Who knew plumbing? He said, "Well, I'll come down, and take a look at it." I said, oh, "Okay," which is really gracious because we're a two-hour drive from his house. So we went down. He looked at it and listened to it. He said, "Do you have a screwdriver?" Not. I removed all my tools, so I dug through an old junk box and I found this old rusty screwdriver that I had. I think it was my grandfather's who was born in 1899, it had all kinds of nicks and everything on it, rusty on the end, the end was twisted. I said, will that work? He said, yeah, that'll work. He took it and a few turns there, and he said, now plug it in. Plugged it in, it worked perfectly. As soon as he did that, God said, that's how I operate. I said, when I got home, I said, Lord, explain that a little bit more. He said, he was willing to do it. He knew how to do it. He wanted to do it. But had he not had that screwdriver, he couldn't have done a thing. He needed that tool. My tools are people. I know how to do this, I want to do this, but I need a tool to work through. So, and and his tool, and as the fact, it was an old rusty screwdriver, just good for the junk pile. Looked at yourself, I don't have any education. I'm not an Oxford scholar like Gary (laughs) or a Rhodes scholar. He said, it doesn't matter couple weeks later we really got that uh, shown to us what he meant we had got called to a house they had a baby a foster child the state had coming in had come in the child protective, protective services and removed a baby from a mother's house who was in drugs real big time so they took the baby and she said we just don't know what to do the baby has digestive issues we have to go to the doctor and they keep trying this and that and it's not working but what we don't know anything about how to deal with the baby would wake up multiple times a night just screaming in absolute terror not crying because they're hungry just screaming we don't have a clue what to do can you pray okay I'll I'll try anyway they're sitting on the couch and I'm gonna. on the other side of the room, dad's holding the baby and mom's right beside her and there's no significance to it but when I minister to somebody I go up and I'll get down on my knees right in front of them so I, as I'm walking over, did I lose the mic? am I still there? Okay, as I'm walking across I notice in the corner of my eye they have a probably a four or five year old biological son sitting over there as I'm going across God says let him do it okay. And I looked over, I said, do you want to pray for her? And he just shook his head. I said, well, come here. I said, just lay your hand right there and say, Jesus, heal Haley. And he put his head down and he said, Jesus, heal Haley. I said, now say thank you, Jesus, for healing her. Big smile. Thank you, Jesus, for healing her. That's all that was done. And I said a little prayer for the mom and dad's sake, just, but never addressed anything about the child. A few days later, Marie got a phone call from the mother to said the baby's digestive issues are gone. That night was the first night the baby had slept through the whole night without waking up, and she had slept through every night since then. Just a little five-year-old boy. He would probably be hard-pressed to know John 3.16, but he had the faith. Now, if you don't have faith, how, what's the Bible say about faith? How do you get faith? Faith comes by Hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now, I, in translation, that hearing is a continuation, continuing thing. Faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing the word of God. An example, well, we're mostly older here. You, you ever heard of Gary Player, the golfer, years ago? There was a guy watching him practice, hitting drive, just great drive after great drive. He get, Gary Player was taking a break, a break, went over and did a drink, He walked up and he said, Mr. Player, I was watching you hit those golf balls. I'd give anything if I could hit a golf ball like you. He just set that drink down and he looked at him and said, no, you wouldn't. You'd give anything if it were easy. You want to hit a golf ball like me, you get your club... Right there, you hit 500 golf balls to your hands are blistered and bloody. You go in the clubhouse, tape your hands up, come back out, you just got two bloody messes on your hands. You come back tomorrow, do the same thing. You come back the next day and do the same thing. You come out here when it's cold, when it's snowing, when it's hot, when you don't feel like it, when you wanna do something else, you do it day after day after day, and you'll be able to hit a golf ball just like me. It's it's like the professional athletes. You know, they just didn't decide one day, I'm a basketball player or if I want big muscles, I don't grab the barbells and go one time, up. I got big muscles. I do it day after day after day. Now you want the faith? A long time ago, I was just praying talking to God and thinking about Peter and John, Stephen, Philip, the miracles that they did, Elijah and Elijah. And I said, oh Lord, what would it be like just to be like one of those guys? And he said, what's stopping you? Oh, it's me, it's myself, if I want to be like them, what did they do? Their whole life was centered around God, their whole life. But we have so many distractions in this country, it's so easy to get distracted. If my whole life would would be turned and would be lived just like Peter and John did, I'd be going into the the temple where they grabbed the guy who had been laid there for years, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And the people were amazed. And they came run to them and they said, what are you looking at us for? What's the big deal? What did you expect to happen? We had the name of Jesus. It it couldn't happen any other way. But we don't look at it that way. We're amazed when we see something happen, a miracle, which is great. But I think Andrew Womack said a long time ago, I heard him say, we should be amazed if something doesn't happen. And that's just something that we need to learn. Our faith comes by hearing and hearing, spending time with God, just not a few minutes a day, most of us do our daily bread, there's nothing wrong with our daily bread, there's our devotions, I read a little devotional, I'm done, I'll catch you again tomorrow Lord, no and I know we're guilty of this too, it's so easy to get distracted, and if you miss it one day, it's easier the second day, easier the third day, but spending that time with him, day after day after day, when you would literally be like Peter, you'll walk by somebody and they'll be healed which happened to us one time we had got a call we had taught healing in a, in a church and probably a year later a guy called me up it was about nine o'clock on a friday night he said gary i've got the shingles uh, attack on them they are so bad he said i just don't know what you, could you just say a prayer for me i said john would you like me to come to your house he said would you please about 20 miles away so we jump in our car drive up to the house and we come up to the door, and he held, or his wife opens the door, and he walked in. As soon as he walked in, he says, I'm healed, I'm healed. Now, we had taught, that's your profession now. Hold fast to your profession. You you claim that you are healed. That's what I thought he was doing. Anyway, I, I walked over, just commanding in the name of Jesus, the shingle, of the leave, and he thanked us for coming up. We couldn't be at church the next day. We had something. Somebody called us or texted us. John is up there giving his testimony. He said, as soon as you walked in the door, he felt them leave. Praise God. And I'm thinking, oh, Lord, that's what I wanted to do. So, and again, it's nothing, I don't say this to brag on me. I, I, if you want to remember something of me, just remember that finger pointing right there. That's who does it. But it's just, it's our faith. Probably through our ministry, probably 75 to 80% of the people we ever minister to are getting healed. This is. We, we expect it if I pray for somebody I call it praying for the sick but it's not praying for it it's ministering Amen. but even though I call it praying for the sick if they don't get healed Lord I want to know why what's the issue there and he usually tells me and then we do go back and deal with the issue is it me is it them is their faith not high enough and it's my job to teach them to bring their faith level up to where they all they need is just like the, the woman who with the issue of blood I believe that her faith level was up really high. All I have to do is just as soon as I touch him, it's going to be gone. We want to bring the people up to a point where just as soon as I lay my hands on her or my wife or anybody that's there, they expect that, whoops, that's that point of contact. Bang, they're healed just like that. Now, again, not everybody is healed just like that. A lot of times it sets the healing in motion like when Marie was healed, hers, we wish it was like that, but hers was over the course of probably several months. She used to, it used to drive her, to, I don't want to say crazy, but batty. she would see something on the floor, a piece of dirt or lint, and she couldn't bend down to pick it up because she had to hold her head with both hands and she had no hands left to pick it up and she had to depend on me to run the vacuum and I'm not quite as good as she is. But when when she knew she was getting healed, she just sat back and realized that, wait, I just ran the sweeper. Thank you, Lord. We had purchased our house down here over here in Leesburg and did a lot of work on it. When she knew that she really had it. She was still sick when we bought the house. She texture painted the ceiling and she sat down in the chair and said, looked up, and said Gary, I just texture painted that ceiling. And it hadn't been that long ago. She couldn't even lift her head to look at the ceiling so that's we tell people if you don't feel it right now don't change your profession i've had hands laid on me i shall recover i had a big ugly something right here on my head here a few years ago and marie mentioned maybe you ought to start wearing a hat <laughs> and i knew what she was talking about so i remember jesus cursed that big tree so i went to the mirror looked in it and pointed up there at that spot and i said in the name of jesus I curse you like Jesus cursed the fig tree and I command you to dry up from the roots and fall off of my face leaving no trace I felt pretty good about that and I got up the next morning went in there looked in the mirror and it's still there I said nope I, my profession is if I, whenever I think of it it's 1, 2, 20 times a day thank you Lord that spot is drying up from the roots and falling off of my body and it probably went a month and there was no change in that and I said I'm not quitting now so I kept doing it I walked in there one day, and I said, you know, I'm going to come in here one of these mornings, it's going to be gone with no trace, and it was probably two weeks later, I walked in there, it was gone with no trace, I don't remember when it fell off or anything, but it's just holding fast my profession, Amen. and I, it was probably two months, Amen. and I said, you know, Lord, your word works, it's going to disappear, <laughs> anyway, I do want to, my time is dr- drawing near, but I do want to show a little bit how do, you, how do you minister to somebody I'll use my trusty partner here okay, if I'm up here, yeah oh, you can just come up here and stand for a little bit okay, she comes up to me, and, okay, her shoulder's bad she said, I have a bad, we've had people literally with broken legs that we have seen I think broken legs and broken ankles four times get up and walk away and these are medically confirmed. You yeah, know, the doctor is just, I don't understand this. The one lady, a little older, lady, she says, well, I know what happened. He said, well, what? Dr. God healed me. And he said, well, something I can't explain. it. But okay, she comes up to me, what do I do? She says, oh, my shoulder's bad. Usually I will tell them, I'll give them some examples. You know, uh, this is how we've ministered, just to build up their faith a little bit. If somebody else was healed God's no respected person he'll heal you too So she says my shoulder okay what will I do usually if it's a female I'll, t- I'll tell Marie put your hand up there and I'll put my hand on her but you don't have to if there's no female around God said it's okay Ask. Uh, yeah I asked <laughs> Kenneth Hagin was telling one time a lady come forward and she had some female problems and he put his hand on her head she said it doesn't hurt there and grabbed his hand and put <laughs> her right there <laughs> What could I do? (laughs) But anyway, I don't think I'd do that. Uh, I do want to hear from Lord Smith Wigglesworth. If you've ever heard of him, a lady had a tumor in her, and the Lord said, "Hit her in the stomach." And he went like that. He said, "No, I said, hit her in the stomach." He said, "I drew back and just boom like that." He said, "It came out her mouth, went clear across the floor." now I would have to hear an audible voice from God to, <laughs> to do that <laughs> okay your shoulder I would tell, tell her a, a few things okay this is what I've seen you we prayed for a, a lady here a couple months ago who had the same thing you did and she's out playing basketball and everything now just building up her faith And I, really I would just say uh, I'm going to say a little prayer and I will pray a little bit just reminding God it, it's back in I think uh, Chronicles God says put me in remembrance It's remembrance of his word. It's not that God has forgotten his word. He just wants to know, do you know my word? So Lord, you said that we'll lay hands on the sick or if she's got cancer or whatever it is. You said that if I lay hands on the sick, they'll recover. Jesus, uh, a lot of times I will use the example, if Jesus himself physically walked in that door back there, and you knew it was him. He showed you the scars, showed you his sky, or his side, and the halo, which is modern thing. But you knew it was Jesus coming down. He'd come up to you and said, Marie, what would you like me to do for you? You'd tell him, and you'd expect he would do that. It would happen. Then i say, well, I've got some bad news and got some good news. The bad news is Jesus probably isn't going to walk physically through that door he could but it's probably not going to happen but the good news is John 14:12, a promise of God right out of the mouth of Jesus said if I believe in him anyone who believes the works that I do you shall do also so I'm here as his tool You know, don't look at me you're looking at him through me and I'm going to speak to that problem if it's a lung problem I'll just I'll say again a little prayer Lord thank you that you hear us thank you that we can lay hands on the sick and they shall recover and I would just sometimes I don't even lay my hand just the Holy Spirit will tell you what to do just in the name of Jesus lungs be healed we don't have to get fancy nothing like that back be healed a lot of people will say on a back thing do something that you couldn't do before I usually don't do that sometimes the Holy Spirit will We'll tell you. Do you have know, your shoulders bad? People will, will say, "Wow!" And I ask them, "Does it still hurt?" The the fellow here was here a couple weeks ago. I know he ministered or prayed for somebody three or four times. If it still hurts, okay, we'll do it again, and we'll do it again. Uh, eventually, I will come to a to a point where, okay, we're not going to do this again. But I believe that God has healed you. This is your profession now. You can probably sit down if you want to. <laughs> This is your profession now, Lord. Thank you for healing my shoulder. Thank you for healing my shoulder. Even if it's, oh, you can hardly raise it. Lord, thank you for healing my shoulder. You will find that you'll get up. It may be tomorrow, the day after that, and maybe a week later. But you're gonna realize, wait a minute, I reached up in that cabinet. I couldn't reach that before. But it's gone. Lungs, cancer, whatever, when we, when Marie was we were first dealing with her issue, I I got to looking on, I wanted to hear people's testimonies. We knew God could heal her but we didn't know how you got Him to do it. So I wanted to hear people's testimonies. How did you get God to heal you? And the first one that I came across was that he was a state patrolman in Illinois, I believe. He said he had had cancer through his body in his organs, in his bones the doctors had just given him a matter of a few days, a very few days to live, he said well I'm going to spend eternity with him I'm going to get to know him really good so he decided just to spend all day with the Lord, praying reading his word, meditating on it, And he said I had no appetite, I couldn't keep any food down, I could barely drink and after two days he said I was hungry, so I went down, I got something to eat, and it stayed down, I got up the next day, I was really hungry, and thirsty, I I was eating full meals, my energy was coming back, I could hardly walk across the room, I had energy, he said after about two or three weeks, you know, he didn't go to the doctor, they'd just written him off, you know, there's nothing we can do for you, go home and die. After a couple of weeks, I was taking walks, going a mile, two miles. I started to gain weight. He was about 6'3". He was down to about 120 pounds. He said, I started gaining weight, feeling better. I had energy. And he did call the doctor and go back and they did all the tests on him and said, we can find no trace of cancer in your body. It's just spending that whole time with the Lord. And, and it's that's what it is we get our eyes on him get our eyes focused on him so much sickness has no place in us but we get into the bondage just like you've ever seen the the cartoon of the elephant that will have the little chain around his 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 ankle they'll have him for years one day they'll take the chain off he's still in bondage he doesn't think he can go any place but he's free we just don't realize we've been set free and how do we get set free? Right there, there's our key right there. Spending time with him daily, every day. There's a, a prayer in Ephesians, I, I don't think I gave that to him, it's, it's chapter one, I think it's verse 13 maybe. It's a, it's a prayer that Paul says, I cease not to pray for you. But we change that, put your own name in there. Lord, please give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you and the eyes of my understanding be enlightened so I could know you know the hope of, of your calling and there's another one uh, just I think it's in chapter three pretty much the same thing Lord let me know you give me revelation and wisdom in you in your words say that daily we pray for that if there's a family member you want saved their name in Lord, I just pray that you give Paula wisdom and revelation in, in the knowledge of you and the eyes of her understanding be enlightened. And you'll find we've had heard of people where they've inserted their name in a family member got saved because of that. Anyway, I think my time's kind of gone, but if, if any of you're interested, hopefully in January if we if things work out lord willing we want to teach a healing class it's several weeks we want to get into this really a lot deeper i just kind of gave you again the cliff's notes version of this but there, there's so much we have studied this for about 20 years almost it's just when we started out we had no churches in our area that taught anything like this we had to learn this all on our own we just we would get a piece of information over here And it's how God would lead us into a place. We lived in southeast Ohio, about 200 miles from Cleveland. We decided to go for an RV show there. Marie was feeling pretty good that day, so we're driving to Canton, Ohio. And there's a sign out there in front of the church that said they're having a healing school on a Tuesday, which I was still working. Tuesday's my day off. I said, let's go to that. So we went to there. And they're teaching the stuff that we're learning today in that we had no clue anybody was doing that. So we started to go in church there. It was 90 miles one way to go to church, and we went there on Sunday morning and Wednesday night for about two or three years because we wanted the information. And it's God will lead you to here, there, and every place. Just we get a little bit here and a little bit there. Let us to Grace Tabernacle. I know Maria was saying when we're on our way home, oh, if we just had a church like that up home. She said, if we ever move to Florida, I'm not going to. But if we ever move <laughs> to Florida, again, I'm not going to. I want to go to church there. <laughs> and it's kind of funny. When we sold our house up here in 2014, I watched real estate. I'd watch in the villages. and I'd tell her about it. Oh, there's a nice little house here up there around Spanish Springs. No, no. <laughs> when I found this house that we bought now, it was, it was one night, and I said somebody put another house up. It's in the same park we're in now up for sale. And she looked at me and just, this is exactly how you said would you quit telling me about houses for sale in Florida? I am not moving to Florida. I said, okay. (laughs) I got the message. Got up the next morning. She said, you know God's been talking to me all night. Maybe we need to call that place and now I tripped over chairs chair and tried to get my phone before she changed her <laughs> mind. <laughs> but we had come down, bought the house, and we were so excited. When we were down here for the, the conference, we had come over. They had just built Brownwood. They had the, the town square, maybe one restaurant. And she said, do we need the the, the GPS to to get over to the church? I said, no, no, I don't know what's We just head off 44, and it's back there in the field. And we... <laughs> I said, you can see it from a long ways off. And I... I don't need a GPS. We get over here. We had left early enough. We could be here 15, 20 minutes early. We got here at 1030, <laughs> 45 minutes later than we We were on the other side of the concrete wall. We could see the steeple of the church and the GPS. We finally put in the GPS that you have arrived at your destination. Would we crawl over the <laughs> concrete wall? <laughs> I said, man, they, this place is built up <laughs> really big. But anyway, God will lead you to the direction. Trust him before we go, Lord, I just before you go to minister to somebody, Lord, I surrender my tongue to you, my thoughts everything to you, and he will tell you how to minister to people what to do, everything to say and if if you're not sure what to say it'll come to your mind, Lord, what do I say? Go with the first thing that he says and it's just, it's a matter, we tell everybody we use the Nike uh, Nike slogan, just do it if you need prayer, come forward to one of the the ministry team here. If you don't, just look at your neighbor right there. Would you just lay hands on me and just say, in the name of Jesus, be healed. That's all there is to it. It's not rocket science. One last story. an Amish lady who, who had been, she'd been healed four times and didn't know that it was God that healed her miraculously. But her, she was canning grape juice, I think she said and scalded her hand with the steam. I mean, blisters right in there, third-degree burns in her hand. So they're putting ice on it and butter and all the home remedies. And she looked over at her mother, and she remembered the last teaching. We said, don't be ashamed to ask somebody to pray for you. So she looked at her mother, who incidentally a year before was in hospice, and the Lord healed her, and she signed herself out of hospice she lived about three or four more years later or longer after that she said mom would you pray for my hand mother had never prayed for a single person her whole life she said sure they just she said just lay your hand right there above it and say in the name of jesus be healed so she did she said we decided we're just gonna watch my hand so they sat there and she said about five minutes later they saw the skin changing color up here and just watch it new skin forming all the way down the blisters disappearing she said in about 15 minutes I had new baby skin all over my hand and we watched that and I promise you there's one more on my story (laughs) there's a family that had a a machinery shop they worked on heavy machinery backhoes and they were trying to drive a pin in it's just about the size, a little bit bigger than a coke can about that big around about that long And they were trying to pound it. It wouldn't go in. it was his brother doing it. He said, get that bigger hammer and hit that thing. He said, I'll hold it. So he drew back both hands and bam like that and missed the pin and hit his hand. He said, it ripped the skin off. It broke his bone. We saw bones sticking out. We could see everything in there. And the other guys in the shop come around. We got to call the squad. Get him out there. Get you to the hospital. And his brother said, before we do that, can I pray for your hand? (laughs) <laughs> he said sure he says in the name of jesus i just command that hand to be made whole back again just healed just like it was before the accident here and they decide not to call a squat again we're just going to wash your hand all of a sudden the bones started to move Hallelujah! went back fused together then we saw the skin close up over top of this is about 15 minutes he, when he called me he was so excited he said Gary we watched it right there we watched the bones move we watched the skin come back over and within about 15-20 minutes his hand was perfectly healed Hallelujah. so it's just a matter of opportunity you have an opportunity just do it just in the name of Jesus be healed that's all there is to it you don't have to say a fancy prayer or nothing like that. just do it Amen. so Amen. really again that's all I got there (laughs) tonight. Thanks for listening.
1: Oh, wow. Thank you, Brother Gary. Hallelujah. Didn't we all need that tonight? (laughs) Praise God. And you know what? Did you hear what he said? These aren't his testimonies. They're the testimony of Jesus and what he did. And I think it's awesome that you taught the people there how to do all of that because that's what it is. It's so simple, but we just don't know. And I'm gonna be the first one to sign up for the healing class, because that's, that's my thing too. I, I really trust God. But you know, it's so cool that God brought them here for such a time as this. And that's what God's doing at Grace Tabernacle. He's bringing in people who love him and have a heart for God and wanna do his work. And so, praise God, we're so blessed. Well, I think if anybody wants healing, they should come up tonight and let Gary and Marie lay hands on them. I'm telling you what, you'd, you'd be, it would be silly not to. And sometimes, you know, we tolerate things because we just think, oh, I can deal with that. You know what, one thing leads to another. Come up and get it, get it off of you right now because we all have work to do, right? We all have work to do and God has great assignments for us and so he's calling us all to come and be in his presence and experience a touch from him and encounter with God and get healed tonight, amen? So Father, we just thank you for this service tonight. We give you praise, we give you glory, Lord. We thank you for what you're doing and what you're about to do right here. And we just thank you, Lord, that you give us this opportunity to worship you. Thank you for the whole service tonight, Lord. It's all to your glory. And we just give you the praise in Jesus' name, amen. Will you guys come back on Sunday? Because, you know what, they're still going to be here, God's here, and we're going to still continue to worship him, praise him, give him glory, and see people healed and delivered and set free.